Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. I think about some things I've done in my past and I go, how can he love me? But He loves me. And why or how do I know that Jesus loves me? The Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me that Jesus loves me. And I believe the Bible. And I read in God's Word that Jesus loves me. And He cares about me. And He's going to take care of me. And I'm so thankful about that. John 15, verse 13. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And so we find in, in these verses here that if we do what He has commanded us to do, we are His friends. And so I think about that a little bit and I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, but my quest in life is to follow His commandments. And so He says that if we do that, we are His friends. And then He says that there's no greater love than one to lay down His life for His friends. That's what Jesus did for me, and He did that for you. He did that for all of us. He loves us all. Enough that He suffered and died on the cross of Calvary for each and every one of us that's here this evening. For everyone in the world. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And if, if he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. Again, we try to do that. We try to live for Jesus because He died for all. He died for everyone. It doesn't matter. You know, the other song says red, red or yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. It doesn't matter what color our skin is. He died for you. It doesn't matter if you're American, African, or European, or Chinese, or whatever nation you may be from. Jesus died for you. It doesn't matter whether we're male or female. Jesus died for us. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. 
Whether you're a good person or a bad person, whether you're an old person or a young person, Jesus died for you. He died for every one of us. And He died for me also. We find over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given Himself for us, an offering of a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. There we're told to walk in love, but Christ has also walked in love, and, and He gave Himself an offering. Here's another Scripture. He gave Himself an offering for us. He gave up His life for us that we might live. And when He did that, it says that it was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Not only Jesus loves me, God loves me. And Jesus loves you. And God loves you. The Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. There's a scripture over in Mark chapter 10 that talks about this a little bit. Mark 10, beginning in verse 13. Mark says that they brought little children to Him that He might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, He was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to Me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. This scripture tells us a couple of things. It tells us, first of all, yes, Jesus loves little children. Well, that's that's easy. We all love little children, don't we? I love little children. They're so precious. They're just so precious. And I love to see their energy. You know, this morning I, I was visiting over at Ivy Point. End of the service, I was at the back shaking the hands, and, and I think the first man that came up to me, I don't know how old he was. He looked like he might have been in his 90s. He, he looked very, very old, and, and he, he had it cane. He was kind of humped over a little bit. And he took a few steps toward me and about to shake my hand. And this little girl looked like she was about five, just right by him. Right through, so I thought she was going to knock him down there for a second. <laughs> you know, and he looked up there and smiled. And he said, "If I had that kind of energy, I would have got here yesterday." <laughs> I just thought that was so precious. This elderly man saw the energy and the love that's in these little ones, and sometimes they might get a little bit too energetic for for our uses. But we love them, and we love what they do. But did, did you notice what Jesus said also? He said, we need to receive the kingdom of God as little children. We need to be like these little ones. Well, what did he mean by that? Well, I th- again, I think about these little children. What do we find in little children? I find innocence. They're so trusting. They're ready to listen and to receive and to learn and they want to just soak up life, and, and, and they'll take your word for it. They're so innocent to receive things. Children also 
wanting guidance. They're wanting to accept it. This past week, we I'm trying to look to see if we got any teachers among us here tonight. <laughs> we had that teacher workshop this week in service. And, and uh, one of our speakers was talking about, you know, about sending kids to the office. And now there's some of them that want to get up there. That When you send them there, you just uh, gave in to what they really are looking for. And so, uh, you know, I was talking with some of my fellow teachers at my school and, and one of the assistant principals, and we were kind of commenting on that. And he said, there's a lot more truth to that than you think. He said, especially these little boys, they, they don't have a dad at home. And we've got three men principals up here. They're wanting a male figure to come and talk to them. That's what they're looking for. So they get in a little trouble, so they, they get an excuse to go talk to another man. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for that guidance. And that's what little children do. Little children like to be with their father. And we need to be like that, those little children. We want to be with our Heavenly Father. We want to do the things that pleases our Heavenly Father. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak. But you know, Jesus has that strength. He is strong. If you're following with me in the Bible, I'm going to go to 1 John for a little bit. 1 John, uh, starting, starting in um, chapter 2. We as children, we, we can be weak, but Jesus is always strong. John says in John 2, verse 1, notice I, I looked at these little passages where he says, My little children, and got me thinking about this. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We are weak. We do things that we shouldn't do. But when we do those things that we shouldn't do, John assures us we have an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus stands for us because he knows what it's like to be here on this earth. He knows how we can get into some mischief. You think these little children are ever getting any mischief? <laughs> oh, yes, they do. When we were little children, we got into mischief. Oh, don't be shaking your head like that. Don't do that. Yes, we did. As grown-ups, we get into mischief sometimes. And the mischief that, that we're thinking about, though, is the mischief that we really should call sin. And when we have sinned, we can go through Jesus in prayer to God the Father. Jesus becomes our advocate. Because He died for our sins, He can talk to God on our behalf concerning the sins that we've committed. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, John says, And now, little children, abide in Him, and when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Here, here's something that, that just tells us that we need to abide in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is our safe haven. Again, I can tell you as a little child, I can get into a lot of mischief, but you put me next to an authority figure, I might straighten up for a little while. I'm not going to pull my little stunts right here in front of somebody. Uh, I'm going to think twice before I do it anyway. And that's what happens when we are abiding with Jesus. 
when we are with Him, then we know He's right there with us. And I won't, no, I don't want to, because I know Jesus doesn't want me to do that. And we catch ourselves and we stop and we watch what we're doing. In chapter 3 of 1 John, we notice in verse 18, that my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and we shall assure our hearts before Him. Again, we are weak. He is strong, and He teaches us with that strength. We can be a people that, that we feel like if we love in word and tongue, we're okay. But Jesus teaches us, and it's more than that, that, that we need to be teaching, that we need to have love indeed and also in truth. Word and tongue's not enough. He teaches deed and truth. And so we follow that lead, and we know how to become better at loving our brethren in Christ. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 4. John says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he is, in, he is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, and he knows who God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When we're abiding in Jesus, when we are of God, then we're able to overcome the world. We're, we're able to overcome the temptations that come our way. Once again, because that we're abiding in Him. He's strong, and He helps us overcome the weaknesses that we have in our life. Jesus, take this heart of mine. Jesus loved me, he who died. I started on the wrong verse there for a second. Because heaven's gates will be opened wide. There's going to be a time that heaven's gates will be open. And we want to be ready to go through those gates when that time comes. We go over to Romans chapter 5. One of my, really one of my favorite verses when I get dwelling on it. When we get over to Romans 5 and we start reading in verse 6. We, we find that Paul says this, And when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Have you ever let that sink in deep in your heart? Jesus died for me while I'm still a sinner. Jesus died for you while you're still a sinner. But if you're justified by His blood, you are saved. He died for you. Now, He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to be justified. 
the gates of heaven will be open. And if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus still loves you. And He's going to give you every opportunity to become obedient to the message of God. As long as you're alive and you're breathing, you have that opportunity. I'm thankful that I don't have a God that says at some point I'm going to shut that gate on that person. You've got to obey the gospel by a certain age or that's it. That's, we're just going to let it be. Jesus died for you and you're not taking advantage of that. But God's not like that. God loves you. And He wants you to obey the gospel. And He'll give you all the time that He can. But there is a point that that time is over. When we obey the gospel, we have been reconciled to God. That door is open that we can come And be right back inside with our God and Father to have a heavenly home someday. That's what we're looking forward to. He who died for heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away your sin. Jesus has taken care of this, that you can have your sins washed away. That's what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus. He says in Acts twenty two sixteen, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what Ananias said to him. Baptism is that that washes away our sins. Ananias didn't bring Saul in there and say, Why don't you have a prayer? Don't, why don't you let the Lord come into your heart that you can wash away your sins? He, he didn't say that. I think the Lord was already in his heart. (laughs) After that experience he had on that road to Damascus, he knew about Jesus. But Ananias said that there is a response that you need to make. Be baptized to wash away your sins. That's how you call on the name of the Lord. And that's what Jesus said. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Just as simple as that. If you're baptized into Christ, you will be saved. Peter repeated that same thing over in Acts chapter 2. There was the day of Pentecost and we had all those people that was listening to the first gospel message. And, and, And Peter had them to recognize that they had crucified the Son of God. That man that you crucified back at the Passover is both Lord and Christ. And when he said this, it cut some people to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what you've got to do. Now, there's some people there, you know, Brother Sammy's been coaching us well on, on uh, Wednesday night. 3,000 souls obeyed the gospel that very day. How many did not? The rest of them. The rest of them. I don't know how many that was. But many of them that 
did not. They, they began persecuting the ones that did. And here's all this persecution just going on and on and on. We read about it through the next several chapters. Saul of Tarsus was one of those persecutors, even to the point in Acts chapter 8, we read that to save their life, to, to keep from being put into prison, what did they do? They left Judea, and they went to other places, but they carried the gospel with them. One of those people was Philip, and Acts 8 tells us of how he went to Samaria, and he preached to them Jesus. And they were baptized, both men and women. That's what they did. They wanted their sins washed away. They were also cut to the heart. And that's what they did. And then he left there. The Holy Spirit guided him, took him down to this road where he meets this man from Ethiopia. And this man's studying the book of Isaiah. And he doesn't understand what it means. And so... He gets up in the chariot. He stays with them. And it says that he preached to him Jesus. Starting right there with that scripture in Isaiah. So he's preaching to them. Somewhere along the way, that Ethiopian man said, well, See, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? If you believe, you may. And they both went down into the water. And there we find Philip baptized this Ethiopian man. Same story there. We get over to Acts chapter 16, and then we find here's Paul and Silas. They're in this Philippian jail, and, and uh, this earthquake hits, and they come out, and this jailer is, is moved by some of the things that have been taking place in Philippi. And he goes, and men and brethren, what shall we do? What must I do to be saved? Is the question he asked them. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You and your household. But that's not the end of the Scripture there, is it? He said after that that Paul and Silas went on to teach this man and his family. And before the sun rose the next morning, that very evening, they were baptized in Christ. They all saw the importance of having their sins washed away. And it's only through the story of Jesus Christ that we can have our sins washed away. He will wash away my sins. Let his little child come in. While I was putting this lesson together, I kind of struggled with this part a little bit. And simply what I've, I've got here on my outline is this. Think back to the scriptures that we read just a moment ago in 1 John. Where John said, my little children. Remember, Jesus is your advocate. Remember that we must abide in Him. Remember that He will teach us. We are the little children, and when we come in and abide and let ourselves to be taught, He is our advocate. And He will help us that we can be faithful unto death. That we can live to have that crown of life someday. And so we obey the gospel. We are baptized to have our sins washed away. We, we let Him come into our lives. And then we think about the next part of this song. Take this heart of mine, Jesus, take it and make it pure and holy. Matthew 22, verse 37. 
Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I just want to focus on love the Lord with all your heart. Put all your heart into the love that you have for, for Jesus Christ. Don't let any other impurities get into that heart. That, that's how you make your heart pure and holy, is you keep the impurities out. You abide in Jesus. You stay with Jesus. Because you know He loves you. Because you know He died for you. And because you know that salvation is through Him. Matthew 6.21 tells us that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Is your treasure in heaven? Jesus talks about that through those verses there. You know, if your treasure's here on earth, that's where your heart is. If your treasure's in heaven, that's where your heart is. Where is your heart? If we'll leave the treasures of, the, of this earth behind us and think about the, the beautiful treasures of heaven. And brethren, I, I know I've said this before from the pulpit. My treasures in heaven has nothing to do with pearly gates or streets of gold or anything like that. My treasures is I'm not going to have any more back pain. <laughs> I'm not going to have any more pain in the knees. I'm not, I'm not going to have any more kidney stones. I'm not going to have any more heartache of friends that let me down from time to time. Or family that can hurt you from time to time. Or whoever it may be or whatever it may be. All these things are going to be put away. All the things that the devil comes and tempts us, that's gone. And if heaven is what we're looking for, that's what we'll find sometime. Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And He's going to prepare a place for us. Heaven's gates are open wide. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let the things of this world get your heart hurting. But place your heart in heavenly things so that we can be ready for that heavenly home someday. Jesus, take this heart of mine. Make it pure and holy thine. Thou hast bled and died for me. Well, we've talked about that throughout this entire lesson, haven't we? Jesus, He died for me. Isaiah says that He was despised and rejected. Think about that day they led Him to the cross. It actually started the night before when the soldiers led Him away and there he had to stand before Annas and Caiaphas. And then later on he had to stand before Pilate. And then he had to stand before Herod. And then back before Pilate again. And through Every time there was a transition, he was indeed, he was despised. He was rejected by men. The soldiers that took him from place to place, that guarded over him while they were trying to decide what to do with him. Greatly mistreated him. While he was in their custody, he was beaten, he was spat on, 
And they made this leather whip and they whipped his back and raked the skin off his back. How painful that must have been. And all this humiliation went on before they even took him to the cross. But that's what they did. They took him to the cross of Calvary. And there he died. And Isaiah says that he also went like a lamb to the slaughter. He could have called those legions of angels to come down and stop. He could have stopped that at any point in time. But he allowed all this to happen to himself because it was God's will. And it was also because he loves you and he loves me. We weren't even here then, but he loves you and he loves me. And he wanted to see us to get in that heavenly home. And he realized, he understood that if he didn't do that, then God's plan just becomes wrecked. He did this so that you would be saved and you would not lose your soul in hell. That's why Jesus did that. He cares about you. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. That's a good way for that song to end, isn't it? I will forever now live for you. Jesus, this is, this is a ch uh, children's song. And you think about this. Jesus loves me. We start with the premise, Jesus loves me. This is all that Jesus has done for me. And when we realize this, remember we talked about the innocence of children, of how they accept things. Why can't we be like those little children also as Jesus described to us and understand that now I'll live for Him also. Revelation 2.10 tells us to be faithful unto death where we'll receive that crown of life when the judgment day comes. Because He bled and died for me, let's live for Him. We go back to 1 John just one more time for a moment. 1 John 4, verse 19, which simply says, we love Him because He first loved us. Jesus loves me. I need to love Him back. I need to follow Him. The question I have this evening then is do you love Jesus? I was looking at Chad's sermon list and usually I preach his topic. His topic tonight was do you love Jesus? And I thought, no, I'm not going to preach that. I want to tell you about Jesus loves me. <laughs> and then come to this question at the end, do you love Jesus? He loves you. And I know that there are some souls here that hasn't put the Lord on in baptism. This is your chance. This is your opportunity tonight to have your sins washed away, just as we talked about a few moments ago. We're ready. We're praying for you. And if we can help you in any way, please come.